the third episode of Board Games with Variant Hex. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, we will be talking about board games that we've been playing recently. Most of those did come from Gen Con, so this is kind of Gen Con Part 3. We're talking about each board game for about two minutes. Pretty speedy. We're going to get through 18 board games in under an hour. If you'd like us to talk about, I mean, not anything, but almost anything board game related, let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram. Send us an email at podcast at varianthex.com. I'm pretty sure that email address works. Varianthex at gmail.com is also going to work. And yeah, let's get into it. I'm going to turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about the board games we've been playing recently. Okay, so first up is Aquatica. This is one that was at the Arcane Wonders booth. So same place as Furnace. Um, and that place it was, was hopping. Yes, it was. It was right by the doors. And so I don't know how much of that was just like location based or were people that interested in getting that stuff. It's hard to know. Um, look, at, I've already used a lot of time not talking about Aquatica. It is a it has a very interesting mechanism that as you play these cards you have a special board that's dual layered and you're like sliding the card into this into the slot between the two layers so as you slide it up it's like triggering combos to slide up your other things you're underwater you're exploring and you're activating these combos and kind of like getting treasure is sort of what's going on did in you beat the solo mode i i'm gonna i don't think i did um, if I did, I shouldn't have, like, I was still just trying to get a sense of how those combos work together. It has these really nice little, um, are they stingrays or it has these really nice little tokens to them. They could have been anything, um, that you kind of like flip over to use as bonuses to help your combos. So I think I didn't realize how combo-tastic the game was. So I'm interested to play it again. And it came like highly recommended, um, Jason, I think it was Jason Levine from Dice Tower okay. was the one who was like selling it, like explaining it, selling it. And I did buy it on his recommendation. I It's a Dice Tower essential because they like um, kind of like sponsor ga certain games and they call it a Dice Tower essential. I think they sell them. Um, so it's interesting. I'll be interested to play it again. The first time it just wasn't what I expected. Do you Very think cool you have mechanism. fun playing it with me? <sighs> I don't know. So that's about that's about two minutes. That's wasn't that was fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to Dice City. This one, it's kind of reminds you of Dice Forge in that you are effectively modifying dice faces, but instead of snapping them on, you have this six mm, six by five grid in front of you. Okay. You have five different color dice. You roll those, and each of the dice corresponds to a row on that grid, and then the number is the slot, one to six, that you put it in. Sweet. And at that spot, printed on your board, is like a starter card, and that's what you get. It's like you get some kind of resources or whatever. And as you play the game, you can buy cards to place on that board. So is it like if Dice Forge didn't have a budget to buy plastic pieces? You have more dice, so there's that. So if Dice Forge had five dice, I don't think you'd want to be changing them either. Um, and this is this is Dice City. There's a game that has the exact same mechanism called Master's Trial, I think, which we also have slash had. That one's co-op, but this isn't. This is competitive. Got it. Um, so there's a solo mode where you're just kind of 
it's mostly a score attack kind of thing because as you buy cards and as you roll you get points when you're playing against other people you can kind of like attack their resources and attack their locations to make them um unplayable but you're just and you're you only get resources off your own dice not one of those games where like you roll and then everyone's taking resources so i enjoy playing it online the production of it is fine, but there is something that's just a bit clunky about having a board and up to 30 cards in front of you. So it's fine, but is it great? I don't know. And then I like um, dice games being just more luck. We usually end up liking playing those more, or I like playing those with you more than others. You're watching the clock. I see the clock. It's very distracting. I know. There's only three seconds left. I'm, I'm done excited talking. for Juicy Fruit. I'm done talking about that one. Okay. So, Juicy Fruits. This is a new game. Uh, Aquatic and Dice City, I think, have both been out for a while. Juicy Fruits, it's super colorful. It's in the Capstone Games family line. But also, I think it might secretly be a total brain burner because you have this little slide puzzle. When you start, you have an island that's a 5x5 five five grid. But the outer edge of that grid is covered up with um, different boats with orders you can fulfill. Okay. The inner part of that grid, you have five like fruit baskets. And when you slide them around, it's like a slide puzzle. When you slide them around, you collect that fruit. So if you slide it two spaces, you collect two bananas. As you fill the orders around the edge, that means you have more sliding space. So you're three by three starting. These boats have gotten their orders fulfilled. Now they're not on your island anymore. You can slide your bananas further. It sounds really worky for a game called Juicy Fruits. And then there's this optional board on top of like the basic game where you can like be making juice from the fruit that you gather that you can't use otherwise. This is just a capitalism game. There's, I don't know if it's a capitalism game, um, but as you slide those things around, you can also buy other tiles for your island. Some of those also produce fruit. Others give you points. Um, you can also make ice cream. But the slide puzzle part of it is a very interesting mechanism. We don't have any. I know there are some other slide puzzle games. I don't think we have any. And it just feels like you could, you could get pretty deep into that. Um, and even though it's family and it could be very approachable, I also think that someone who was excellent at it could show you how it is, is in fact, a very strategic game. We're like, oh, you could score 300 points. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like, we were all happy scoring 10 points, but okay, that, I guess that works too. So, yes, that's usually your... I'm interested to play it again. Again, I, I played it solo, um, so I don't know that I got a great sense of it. The solo was fine. That was fine. Um, my time's up. And again... You're just looking back and forth between me and the clock. Uh, it's a bit much. Try, I, I tried to not look at the clock during Juicy Fruits. You failed. And so the last one that I play by myself, I think this one I can do in less time, Wild Space. It was a lot of cards. And it did take up a wild amount of space that I was not expecting on the table. The AI was kind of like, there was a way that it was gathering cards and it scores differently than you do. But... You're basically going to locations that allow you to play cards in certain ways. And then the combinations of icons and cards that you have out determines your scoring at the end. So you could say more about it, but that's essentially what was happening. I didn't like that the cards had these big art panels like proportionally on them. 
of these different animals that are like, because it's kind of like animal theme, but they're astronauts, they're in space or whatever. Um, they were very repetitive. So it was nice art, but it was so repetitive that I kind of felt like why we didn't even, we didn't need to put the whole monkey on this card just for, the other icons could have just been bigger or something. So there was something about it for me and it was a cheap game. This is a Panasaurus game. It was a cheap game, but something about it for me felt just a little meh. So I played it once and I wasn't like excited to play it again. So I think it still will be interesting to try it two player at least. Um, it's also very combo-tastic. So it's just a lot of icons and combos and I just didn't have a ton of, I didn't have a lot of fun. If we had that one. if we had a soundboard, I think having like Mr. T say combo tastic would have to be on it. Mr. T, huh? I was I thought we're about, not gonna get a soundboard then for I thought about giving it a shot and I was like, nah, she won't like it. No. Is that something he says? Combo tastic? No, but I, I was, was combo tastic or something like that. We could use that for the soundboard. So this is what happens when there's time left over. <laughs> there were thirty seconds left over, and what we've talked about is Mr. T's combo tastic. Okay. That is the one player games that I played without you. So now, instead of just staring at the clock. We're talking about Blue Moon City. We're going to talk. So we'll go Blue Moon City, then Custom Heroes, then Dinosaur Island, then Fantastic Factories. Right, because it needs to be in alphabetical. Yeah, even though it's not the list in front of us. Okay. So are you ready? Are you going to take over giving the game summaries? Do you want to give that a try or like absolutely not? Oh, absolutely not. I'm very bad at it. You're very good at it. I'll try to do the game summaries then in like 30-ish seconds. So they're going to get lighter. Is that your ready face? Because no yeah. one else could see that. Yeah, for those playing at home, I just I, I I goofed and stared at the clock intensely. Yeah. As if to suggest that the thirty seconds. Yeah, that you're ready to go. Helpful. I got it. I got it. Okay. So Blue Moon City, this is a Reiner Knizia game. It must be old. I think there was this is the reprint of the original game. Yeah. You are. It kind of has for Forbidden Island vibes to me because you're setting out all these oh, tiles. You're like, yeah, flipping you're visiting tiles over. them. You flip them over. You can still move through them after you flip them over. But you're visiting them to gain influence which gets you resources you spend those resources to um uh, fill up this tower most pieces on the tower wins right yeah i mean i i really enjoyed the game i uh, thought it was fine yeah and your criticism of the game was that it it takes it, it basically like it takes too long like it kind of stalled out that could be how we played it but it got to like the beginning was exciting the middle was 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 kind of tense and then I felt we were just like waiting for someone to fill this tower. Right. It just kind of dragged. And I think that's because the tiles you flip over, they help you get new resources when you flip over another tile next to them. Right. But it also creates these big dead areas on the board. So then you have to just spend time traveling around. Yeah. You don't get as many bonuses if you are on the edges. I think that there's a, there's an element of that game that can that can keep your engines from stalling if yeah. the players decide to cooperate and we didn't cooperate at all like no. we stayed on other sides of the board right cuz which i think in general in two player games that's kind of a non-confrontational way to play right. but i think this game is really built for you to both get something good anytime one of those tile flips and right. very rarely were we both getting something good and i think it would have sped it up yeah and i said after we played that it feels like there could be a cooperative mode for that game because of that very mechanism where you could have some kind of element um against the clock sort of thing yeah. where it helped to work together so you could do it faster yeah. i think it'd be fun to try to just see how few turns you could get the the diabolus to the top right yeah 
Um, next up is Custom Heroes. So this is a game by A.G. and John, I think it's John D. Clare, who does Mystic Veil. Uh, is it Edge of Darkness? I think it's another game. He has Dead Reckoning, a Kickstarter that we backed, which I'm telling you now, I backed it. Um, does it have it, card sleeves? It's this card crafting system where you put a base card in a sleeve and then you get these um, clear cards that you stack in there to modify that base card. This one was like a, it's not trick-taking, it was ladder climbing. Ladder climbing. It says trick-taking on some videos, but it it's, doesn't matter who yes. wins the trick. Yes, Tom Vassal was very helpful in being like, it's not trick-taking. It only helps that you, when you win the trick, you get to start the next one. But otherwise, it's cards one to ten. You're playing out sets of those cards, either one up to an unknown number, really, as you really get underway. Right. Um and whoever it has a BS mechanic, like you have to yeah, play cards you, that are the same number. Well, and you have to, unlike that, I think it's Gang of Four is kind of like this. If you if someone plays out two, you have to play out two. Right. So if they play out two twos, you have to play out two threes, two fours, two fives, what have you. But it has to be two cards. Right. Um. And then you're trying to empty your hand. Yeah. You get points for doing so. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think the the cards modify the numbers. Like the little sleeves modify everything. So yeah. at the beginning, you kind of have characters just, with power. Just a bunch of it, it's just a deck of ten numbers, three each, and it's if, easy to count. It's easy to count. It gets harder to count as you go along. Um, and then there's even in addition to changing numbers, there's like different powers that let you manipulate things in different ways. So mm-hmm. if you're playing against a card counting opponent who's annoying to play card games with, it does balance that out a little bit. Yes, which is what I was doing. I was playing against that very opponent. So as the game went on, I think you, whether you liked it less, you kind of acted like you liked it less and I liked it more because it was a little more unpredictable, a little crazier. Yeah. yeah. Great game. Though. And then we played with three sets. That's a two-player mode. Right. But usually you play with one set of ten for each person playing. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, but so that was... Before. Yeah, that was really... I was surprised by how much I liked that one. Dinosaur Island. Yeah, look at right. you going back into the alphabetical I did. Order. I'm doing a great job. So we played this one this morning. Yeah. I played it um, by myself. I played it twice, actually, which I think that may be... One of the only games that I played like back to back. So now you've played it thrice. Now I've played it thrice. You're right. Um, I we haven't played any of the other Dinosaur World, Dinosaur Island games because it's kind of a series. Um, and I imagine the Roar and Ride is bringing a lot of those same elements in, but it's uh, it's what it sounds like. It you draw your park. So as you roll, you can draw um, attractions for your park on like a on a graph paper kind of grid. You're getting specialists. You're getting um money you're putting roads together to connect those attractions and then three times in the game you run your park and you kind of go top to bottom processing stuff and again it's kind of a combo thing where you're earning this and it feeds into the next step and that gets you this um and you're trying to get the most points that was the worst uh description so far because there's so much in this game there's a lot in the game it has a feature that i think is common to great roll and write games which is learning the rules is atrocious because to get enough complexity into a roll and write game you need to have a lot of different rules but then once you start playing the game it becomes kind of second like it's very intuitive once you get started but there's a lot of clarification at the beginning i thought it was really fun the combos make logical sense the theme is good yeah um you have to, you know, the, All the, of the, the bigger, of the, theme the, the bigger, meaner dinosaurs you make, the more safety and security you have to be aware of. Right. There's cool things like that in it. Right. Um, there's a money aspect. You can put up, you, you can do what Kelly did in beating me this morning, and you can just put up a bunch of rides and not actually have any dinosaurs. Well, I did have uh, the little ride specialist. Yeah. I had the different uh, attraction that let me get a bonus for having sets of ride food merch. So, yeah, there are cards that come out. 
that change the game. So every time you play, you play with different six cards. Yeah. And so that the replayability, the I think, is now. a lot higher than, than some other yes. rolling rights as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, I think that we should do an episode about Dinosaur Island and the next two games that we're going to talk about, Fantastic Factories and Furnace. Okay. Because I think there's kind of a... I think there's something similar there. All right. All right. We'll see. I don't know if Dinosaur... I don't, it might just be Fantastic Factories and Furnace. Anyways, up next is Fantastic Factories. This is Turning the, up the heat. first... This is the first non-Gen Con game? Yeah. So this... We could have bought this at Gen Con, and we could have bought everything that we got, but I backed it on Kickstarter, and it happened to come, like, the second day of Gen Con. Huh. Yeah. So... You oh, no, the Fantastic Factories. Perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. not Furnace. So yeah. we, yeah, we could have By the way, turning done. up the heat was a reference to Furnace. I just got ahead of myself. Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah, there might be heat in the Fantastic Factories. Um, we played this game online originally. You are um, using dice to get cards, to get points. And this is a first, this is like a race. So it's the first to 10 points, I think. Right. Um. Yeah, you can manipulate those dice somewhat. I think it's about as light of a game as I would enjoy. And like, I think it's, it's only it's just, so light. I think the theme makes you think it's lighter than it is. Oh. Well, I felt like it was really like, easy not to super pick up heavy. the mechanics. Like, yeah. The, the combos were really natural and intuitive. It was fun. It was a nice warm-up game is how I would, I would think of well, and I, Factories. Well, and I think of that kind of like Juicy Fruits where it's like, okay, yes, anyone could probably just come up and play this and it's easy to understand. But also you might all sit around and play for a while and then you have someone that's like, oh yeah, I'm already at 10 points. Well, yeah, I think the, not to go back to Dinosaur Island Roaring right uneventually, but at the coffee shop today when we were playing it, someone came up and was like, would this game be good for our kid? And it does look very artful it's and kid-friendly, but it's, it's kind of complex. So we yeah. were like, ah. Yeah, because it looked like they had maybe a six-year-old, six-ish-year-old, yeah. and that would be a bit much. So yeah, I think Fantastic Factories, again, you could probably have a kid play that better than Dinosaur Island. Uh, Roaring right, but you know they're not going to be optimizing their factory purchases in the same way and kind of understanding the different risks and and what to take. So, but it's it's definitely enjoyable. I know you're seeing the time tick down, and there's nothing else to be said, is there? No, I was thinking about making a joke about how my six year old self would have done great with with Roaring Right, but oh, good for you, six year old Aaron. I couldn't decide if it would have fit in the time or if you would have just done what you just did and kiboshed it. You know, you were better not. I think that was good discretion. Yeah, yeah. We're moving on to Furnace. Which I think is turning up the heat. Okay, you already said that. <laughs> oh my god. So I think this might be our favorite game. Yeah, of I, it's solid the year. Yeah, and honestly, it was it was front and center. We mentioned a couple times at yeah. Gen Con, so like you couldn't help but to see it. They had one of the better displays. Of yeah, they had any a little train. They had a train. It was really nice. Yeah, it looked like they were demoing cute. it really, really well. Um. Yeah, we didn't even, yeah. I didn't even hang around for the demo because I'd heard so, so much about it. I'd heard, it's been out for a while. It came out, I think, in Russia, oh. maybe a couple years ago. So it's something that people had the opportunity to already know about. And I think in general, this, at this Gen Con, there were just some older games for a variety of reasons. But yeah, we've really enjoyed Furnace. You, there's a bidding auction yeah. part and then there's like literally an engine running or you're running your factories i guess section so during the auction part you have four tokens by default that you can put out on um, a variety of cards at the top they have something that you can uh, get if you lose the auction yeah and at the bottom if you win the auction and keep the card that's the thing that you can do during the like engine running phase so you kind of sometimes want to lose so you can get the resources or the transformation ability um, 
instead of keeping the card and you get to do it the number of times um that your, your bidding tokens are one to four yeah so if you put a three on it someone bids a four you get to do that thing you if might you, get if you've lost yeah you might get a whole bunch of resources and we played and, a two player and the two player variant put in like a third like random yeah bidding like a token, dummy and it was it made it incredibly complex very yeah. very fun yeah I, now you're are more composed to say incredibly complex instead of the truth being anytime there's a third ghost player you believe they're out to get you which is going to come up later in a different game hmm. yeah but we really liked uh furnace a lot we will almost certainly talk more about it because there were individual player powers too yeah yeah a little yeah, asymmetry. variable player Always powers. Fun. yeah um so next up happy city this will be easy to do in two minutes because it is among the lightest games that we got, you start with a little starting city, you um, get income, you buy cards, you're trying to have the happiest city. Yeah. And the happiest city you're trying means to get hearts and people. Hearts multiplied by people equals a happy city. Yeah. And uh, as soon as someone gets 10 cards down, that triggers the end. We game. should have recommended Happy City to that guy at the coffee shop. Happy City? Yeah, that probably would have been okay. Yeah. I honestly thought. We don't need the whole time for Happy City. It is good, but we're not going to talk a lot about it. Um, on Dice Tower, Dan and Cora just did uh, top 70 games. Yeah. And they've been playing kid games since she was like two or three. So they did their top 70 games. Like Was Happy City on it? I don't I don't know. Oh, this was non sequitur. This was non sequitur. I think it could be on it, but I I think they're I think it may be too new to be on their oh, list. Right. And they were talking about like games that she played when she was literally. What a I feel toddler, like Happy so. City is is it, it it's a great. Uh, it's we, just a solid little our game. Our game group so it's has not liked to have games to play like in between depth. the bigger games. Yeah. And I think I would rather play uh, Get Bit, and you would rather play Happy City. Oh, that's for true. Sure. I'm done with Get Bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done with that. Um. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and save this time. But yeah, ha that's we're not cutting it short because it's not good. Um, it's We're, just very straightforward. It gets its proportionate amount of time. Yeah. Um, so next, we're going to need it all for this. E I think it's Iki. Iki, yeah. Iki, maybe? I don't know. Um, this is just a Euro game. It is. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. The two-player did have its a variant to it. Like Happy City, there's yeah, no two-player variant. an attacking variant. Attacking? Well, it had a different board. You scored differently. Oh, am I thinking of the wrong game? Maybe. Oh, yeah, I am. The Taj Mahal is what I was thinking of. Keep going. You know what? You know what? I think we should give 15 seconds back to Iki. I've ruined it. Okay. Um. So you are in the Edo period in Japan, I think. Oh, this one was heavily thematic and very fun in that Yes. Way. So even though it's a Euro, like, the artwork was lovely, the board, ev everything about it was really well themed, really enjoyed the setting, like, as it... Um, as it was expressed throughout all the different components. This had the, like the different sized meeples where you had like a main yeah. meeple who was moving around. So you had one that kind of went for kind of turn order and you had one that was walking like up and down the streets and then you had these little tiny guys, four little guys who were running shops. So you could have four of those out max at a time. Um, the big meeples that were walking around would walk past the stalls that one of those four mm. were at. And if you went to someone else's stall, that would help like upgrade their person. Right. Um, you go to your own, you don't get an upgrade. Um, the, the buildings had an action and then the stalls within them had an action mm -hmm. and you play it, you kind of like 
play it over 12 months. And then there's fires that come through. There's certain events that happen in certain months. Um, and then at the very end, you do a 13th round. Um, that's just like a final kind of bonus round for yeah, the it's, New it's, Year holiday. It's just a really... It's a really thorough game. It has a couple of my favorite mechanics. There's resource management. There's a bidding for turn order ma- uh, uh, yeah, mechanic, which I thing. love. Yeah. Super good. Super good. Yeah. Um, not nearly enough time to talk about it was because our two minutes are up. We said we got 15 minutes back or 15 seconds back because you were complaining about don't do your fingers. That's don't count on your fingers. That's so annoying. Mm. <laughs> I've wasted that time, too. Yeah, you did. We're trying to keep on a schedule here, but very good game. It's brand new. Like, I don't think you can get it. I think that was like pre-order. Oh, right. So that was maybe one of the the newest, most kind of you exclusive, should definitely, so to speak. If you get a chance but, to, to, to yeah, play it. Because that's one you can't really good. find online or anywhere else yet. Yeah. Like, can't find it to play digitally. Um, but we really liked it. We've only done the two-player. It would be interesting to see it at other player counts. We were convinced that I had lost in month 10. Mm-hmm. Like, I said to you, like, I don't think there's any way I could win which made me really not like it because I don't like that. Like when the winner has been determined for the game's sure, over, sure. I don't care for that. But then I won. Yeah. So it just kind of opened which up. Which we call an Aaron when you proclaim yourself dead lost. Lost and then you win. And That's then you true. Win. Yeah. yeah, we did name it after you. I think that kind of also showed us that there's more depth in this game. There was more to it than we even could see while right. we were playing it. So yeah, it'll be interesting to play again. Um, Istanbul, the dice game. This is another one that's going to be easy to summarize it is taking the gym gathering part of istanbul yeah and really condensing it down where you don't have like a board and these workers that are going around to different places you just have dice and kind of the mosque tiles sort of thing you just get what are the same shape and kind of um the way that you acquire them is the same and they have different powers on them and you're just trying to get five four or five depends on the number of players gyms off the board it's a nice um uh the way they condensed all of istanbul into just a dice game feels very like faithful to the original it's decidedly istanbul i believe i haven't played all i I, in general i don't like when they convert great games into dice games yeah they do it a lot it's the favorite one that i've attempted to play where it was a game, they made a dice game. It was a really good game. Yeah. Catan dice, they're already yeah, dice in that game. I, I'll play Catan dice by myself. It's not Catan. It's just a dice game. And this does feel like Istanbul dice. It doesn't yeah. just feel like a dice game. Because you there's um you can do money, you can do the variety of resources, yeah. or you can do each one of the resources. Yeah, so it, again, very similar to the game where there's a couple different paths to victory. Mm-hmm. You yeah, there's no like yours. wagon kind of and thing, if, but yeah, if you and no someone gambling. else pick the same path, it might be hard. hard it's hard load, to do. Hard yeah. To hold, so yeah. do you want to go all in on? I'm just. I went all in on just money the whole yep. time, um, and it does get difficult. Or do you want to like go? Yeah. Do you want to go all in on something, or just kind of get the first one everywhere? Because you can get the first one everywhere cheaper if you can do it fast. But enough. you got to go fast. But you got to go fast. Yeah. So, um, Istanbul dice game. It's you know it's great. It's a great little game. Yeah. Solid. And that's one that we originally. Um, we played play on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. All right. So, oh, I need to scroll down a little bit. Yeah, we don't know what to talk about. I know. Oh, Polynesia. Yeah. So, um, Polynesia, this one we got at Hitherto Coffee, which we went to like the, a day or two after um, Yeah, Gen a little, Con. nice little spot in Greenfield, Indiana, if yeah. you get the chance. I just realized on the last one, I didn't talk about taking time to rest and recover. 
Oh, yeah. That was one of my tips. Anyways, um, that's what we did. We went to the coffee shop as part of our rest and recovery. Don't go back to work the next day. We didn't. No. If you can, if you can not everyone gets that luxury. Um, so, yeah, we went there, and Polynesia was one of the games they had on clearance for $20. So even despite having so many games, went ahead and picked that up. It um, looks to me like it reminds me of both Tungaru and of um, Yamatai. Yeah. Um, where there's this collection of islands, you've got boats, you're trying to get to the islands to get resources to basically get points. So um, condensed down, you're doing the same thing as those other two games, not executed the same way. Yeah, I thought there were some interesting path mechanics. You did a thing where I couldn't basically access half the board after like four turns. And that's a two-player thing. In, um, mul- in more players, you can kind of use someone else's path. Um but in two players, you can't. So you can sort of you can sort of draw a line around the board um, to keep people out of a certain area. And you don't score a lot of points overall in that game. No, no, I think no, it was. I think maybe uh, maybe like fifteen. Fifty, yeah, it was it was low, like fifteen so, to something. I don't know. So right, compared to something like uh, Dinosaur Island this morning was ninety nine to one hundred and eleven. Yeah. So it's funny how you say the low numbers first. What do you mean? It's funny how I say them first. Usually, you say the winning number. Is that like a sports thing? Or is that an everybody thing? I thought it was an everybody thing. Oh, well. um, Anyways, we wasted a fair amount of Polynesia time. (laughs) Rift Force. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about Paul? I liked it, I think, more than you did. I think you kind of thought that it wasn't like quite enough i mean we played a lot of games in the past two weeks uh and it wasn't i might you know it didn't other ones rise above other ones were better the rest yeah for you um all right i did like singing moana in my head for like a day afterwards and i'll say not so much yamatai but tungaru also has like a polynesian Mm -hmm. kind of uh setting vibe so um yeah we're not uh we like a themed game day so i kind of like it when you can have a set of games that do all fit it's amazing that i haven't sang the songs right now it's so good it's not amazing it's maybe respectful to me and others and the process that we're okay you ready for riff force yeah you liked riff force i did like do you want to talk do you want to summarize it well i mean uh i'm really not as good at the summarizing the games but riff force is a uh it's a card game and you it's basically like an area control game so if you played shot and totten it's like some oh. shot and totten s2 where it's where very basically shot and totten plus uh there's areas that you're trying to control you're playing out cards to vie for control your opponent is playing out cards to vie for the same area area of control and there's a couple really interesting uh, mechanics in it like if you leave an area for for dead then your opponent can score significant points by just occupying the area even if you're not well, there one, at, one point at a time but yeah one, one point up. at a time but then well there's five areas so you know you have to kind of keep a balance to it and then your cards can attack people across the line uh, mm-hmm. and then at any time in the game you can just call for an evaluation of all the areas and then you'll score points based on what you control so um, pretty confrontational more confrontational than we like to play together um, in terms of how it works, there's asymmetrical powers. We didn't actually do a draft. We just did random powers. And well, I thought that yeah. my powers were pretty synergistic. And I was able yeah. to to kind of really take control of the game at the end. I think it's a game that you could just play over and over again. Uh, it's quick. It didn't take us that long. No, it was pretty easy to learn. I think that um, the drafting does help make sure that no one's getting too much synergy or not so we right. just did it random because we hadn't played before anyways and yeah you have it's like shot and Tom, there's this line down the middle 
and you're just opposing whatever is on the other side of that line. So strictly two-player game. Right. There's no higher player counts available. And I think there's 10 different um, like player decks, and you use four. So that's what you're drafting at the beginning. Right. You're drafting um, these different these different decks, which the deck themselves don't have anything. It's just that they are a certain power. So like the the light deck has its own light power. Right. Like some of them inflict heavier damage. Some of them have more health. Some, some of them are like around. dodgy. They're like, oh, we'll move from here to there. Suckers. Right. And you only have like numbers five, six, and seven, yeah. I think. So you can play like three cards down at a time, either three of a kind or a, three of the same uh, yeah, uh, type, you, right? Yeah, you, yeah. They're, they're color or numbered. You can play them three at a time. You can play them all in one area, or so you that's can how play you play them, them down. three adjacent areas. So you can either play them down, or you can activate them. I know. I see the. I see the time. Stop doing that. I was just filling in some of the mechanics. It's really a fun game. All right, we're gonna stop talking about it because apparently Time Master over here needs to move on to the river. The river's not actually that good. We could probably talk more about Rift Force. Stop it. What do you have to say about the river? <laughs> you, I mean, I think, I think you should lead off the river. I thought the river... The uh, river was kind of... Do you think it was like a way simplified Lewis and Clark? Yeah, but I mean, Lewis and Clark has a, is a game with a lot of problems. So I feel like maybe simplifying People Lewis like and Clark it. is a good idea. I think we had problems with Lewis and Clark, but I don't think uh, our yeah, results are yeah. typical of everybody. But that's You get stuck in the mountains forever. Lewis and Clark or Everdell, the way that the worker placement is where there's some spots where just one person go other spots where a lot of people can go and then you're kind of trying to get resources and sort out your tableau so i, I think the thing that happens in worker placement games uh a lot is that as the game goes on the turns get longer so you'll get through like if it's a four yeah. round game you'll you'll get through the first four rounds super fast and then you're like oh we're almost we're halfway done well no you're not because your last round is going to take forever because you can have all these powers and synergies and blah and yeah, this game takes your meeples away as it you does. go. It does. And I think that's an... In I don't like it. I like my big turns at the now, end. Now, I didn't get my meeples taken away because you, I think, triggered the end game and I didn't have as many tiles out in my tableau. Right. Um, I didn't like it, but I think I didn't like playing it with you. Whereas that is another... I think that's one of the more family weight games as well. But with that one, I don't know that there's like another level to it. Right. Um, so some of these other ones, like Juicy Fruits, I was saying, I think there may be another level to that because of that slide puzzle thing that where you can really optimize. I feel like the the river is very, it's it doesn't feel like there's another level to it, and I think that's fine. But I think it's also one that therefore isn't good if you are playing with um, strategic players, like more dedicated or serious whatever game players. Right, because it's if you're a min maxer, it's not hard to maximize and you're just gonna you're just gonna force other people to play in a way they don't want to play. It's yeah, it's yeah, I don't know that it's as good of a game overall. But it's lovely art, lovely little pieces. It's nice. Yeah. But I mean I played again. Yeah. Super mega lucky box. Bingo It's it's like bingo. You're looking at me like that it made no sense. I just wanted you to explain it. You're, oh. I mean, not the whole game, but you just shouted bingo, and I just didn't want to have to do. I mean, I thought you were just going to pick it up, pick it up, and run. No, it's uh, no. it's it, it it's like a, a flipping right. You flip cards. You have a bunch of cards that you have to fill things in on, and as you complete rows and columns, instead of getting the yell bingo and getting an immediate prize, you get some bonus that might let you fill out some other tiles mm -hmm. on your cards and things like that. And basically, as you complete cards, you score points. Um, it's super laid back. It's super chill. It's super yeah. fun. Um, It'd be really easy to play. It, I think the box itself plays up to six, but I think you can buy another box and play with up to 12. And I think a lot of games that seems like who would even 
um, want to orchestrate that. But it is kind of bingo where you're just, you have a, call, a number, you call that number, everyone crosses off that number somewhere if they have it. And you're just kind of, yeah, getting combos, getting points. It's not, yeah, there's, just, no, there's, there's nothing else to it than that. It's really aptly named. The art is real fun. It looks like a schoolhouse rock kind yeah. of uh, kind of cartoon vibe to it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a good one to keep in the library. It's not, you know. And they're dry erase cards. Like they're oh, yeah. little dry erase cards. which Sustainable, kinda... yeah. Well, sustainable, I, I think it's just practical. Can you imagine playing that with a bunch of paper? I mean. No. Oh, gosh, because the cards. No. Oh, it would be terrible. No, that wouldn't it would be work. untenable. No, that wouldn't work. It would be untenable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah. That's a good, that one you can play with real little I like kids. your strategy of not starting the timer on that one, so I couldn't look at it. I didn't do that on purpose, but I think it worked out. Um, yeah, Super Mega Lucky Box, you can play with really young children, because it's just numbers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, and then Taj Mahal. This is the one that you were complaining about. During... Yeah, they attacked me. They didn't, though, because it's just a normal, it wasn't, I don't even feel like it's one of the more punishing AIs to play against for you to believe that it is specifically targeting you. I mean, let's be fair. I read the rule book. Okay. Before I read the two-player variant, I picked a strategy that I think actually would be viable in a three to four player game. Yeah, you talked about that ad nauseum. And then it, when I read the two-player variant, I was like, oh, that strategy is probably not going to work. And then I, I tried it anyway. <sighs> Whatever. I thought it was fine. It was it, it it's it's a fun game. There's a lot of actually really cool things that it does that that other games don't do. I think um, this also is an older Reiner Knizia game. Yeah, well, that, that's think. interesting too. People should have copied some of the mechanics. Like, I uh, think they have. <laughs> well, I haven't seen a game where like the 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 path you take through the game is just going to be different every time you play it. I think that, how how is that not a lot of games? You know, voice is getting all I high. Liked, I liked it. Okay. Except that it attacked me. Now you liked it. Because I, really, the rest of that evening and the next day, you were still working through emotions about this game. So we we haven't even done the recap. So basically, oh, you, you mean like how we how yeah, you play it? So that's true. You're going around the Indian countryside trying to gain the favor of these different folks who have influence over the the leader. Um, it's you have cards that you basically spend to get influence, and you need to play those cards. Uh, in a way, you know what? I'm doing a terrible job. You're better at this. You have <laughs> no, 19, it's fine. You have, you have 19 seconds. Take it home. Oh, come now. Um, you do have cards. You do have a hand of cards. They have one of five, co- four, five colors. Uh, it's four colors and clear. Four colors and like white. Yeah. Um, and they will have one or two icons on them. Mm-hmm. And during a, uh, you're traveling around India, so the places of influence. You're just, like different. Like, uh, not counties. I'm not sure what they call them in India. Like, territories. And so, when you're at a territory, you um, take turns playing a card from your hand. And those icons on the card determine, like, majorities. So, you decide when you want to leave the round. Yeah. And if when you leave, you have more of a given icon than anyone else, then you get um, kind of you you're influencing that person that per- whoever's icon you had you're influencing that person and that allows you to put one of your palaces on the board um, in a city. Those cities may or may not have like a little bonus tile on them. You can get a token from the territory itself if you yeah. have the most elephants. I think elephant is the most common symbol. Yeah, el- it there's, seems there's like lots it. of elephants, but the elephants is how you actually get to the the to take the tile in the center. That's we what didn't I'm actually about. take a lot of those tiles. We left some of those tiles for dead. Well, and because we were playing with the AI, 
AI it, took the tiles. It took tiles because there's more elephants overall. So I think that's another thing. Like it's just harder to get the it's harder to get the elephants when you're playing with the AI. So you do that like twelve times. I think there's twelve territories. That's yeah. the basic format of the game is that you're doing these rounds, deciding when you're going to leave the round, seeing if you've earned any influence, and then um, kind of, that's kind of like each episode. The narrative arc of the whole game if you're kind of breaking this down like you would a like a tv show the episodes are you kind of vying for control the story arc is that you want your cities to connect if possible because that scores you more points so you want the roads between your the palaces that you've laid in cities you want those to connect to get you more points and then it is just otherwise like you get points for having these matching icons. You get points for um, having um, your towns connect. Sometimes you just get um, you just get points as a bonus. So yeah, I I, I thought uh, and this kind of just talks about the strategy I chose. An interesting thing that you don't see in games a lot is you get points for having cards left at the end of the game. But like the color of card you have the most of at the end of the game, you get one point per card. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing a two-player game, do not try to emphasize this as a point-scoring strategy. I don't think it's enough. I don't. No matter how many people are playing the game, I don't think it's enough points in the scheme of how many points you can earn to be your strategy. I, you know what? Because it was like thirty something to forty something, and it's game. hard to have ten cards left. Yeah, I agree. And still score somewhere up in the 30s, 40s, because you need those cards to get majorities so that you can string together more points. Yeah, I mean, I think... Because there's a compounding effect when you're kind of putting the cities together. On some future episode, we'll report back that I was right or wrong about this topic. All right. So, that does cover... Taj Mahal got like seven minutes. It didn't get seven minutes. It maybe got three. We'll check the tape. It's fine. So, that is our Games from Gen Con plus two other games we have not played sleeping gods we've gotten one more game since we finished these which is maracaibo yeah i'm excited um, so we this. haven't played that we haven't played that either so yeah most of the games from gen con a couple a couple others do you want to have like a favorite game is oh there, i mean is i think a way we want to wrap this up I, i'll do two things i'll, I'll okay. share two things i think fantastic factories is my my favorite game close second really? i think um, oh well, no! I lied. I just get it confused with Furnace. Furnace is my favorite. Oh, okay, game. <laughs> that's what Fur I thought. Furnace is my favorite game, and okay. then uh, close second, I think, is Blue Moon City. I thought it was a really fun. That's your second uh, place. A, a really fun game, and then Rift Force is probably playing a thing in there. And then the game Rift I want to play the most again is Taj Mahal with three players. Wow, that's not that's not what I would have thought. Um, my first place game because you should have mentioned Iki. It's a snub. Oh, you snubbed that one. Um, so you did your top three basically. Mm -hmm. I think that my top one, I also really like Furnace. The, I don't always like auction mechanism because I, it's not inherent to me knowing how to value the resources you're going to get. So I really like about that game that there's this balance between wanting to win the card and then really wanting to lose the card because you still get something when you lose. And kind of trying to bid other people up. Like if you know it'd be really good for their engine, you could put a two on it, or could you put it's a, a three tricky, on it's it? It's a tricky fun auction. Yeah, and I think just being one to four limits it enough to not be like, yeah, you can bid whatever you want. I think that's also um, tough. So that one was really good. Now, Dinosaur Island Rowan Right, I've played it three times now, and it's just a fun it's just a fun little puzzle. I like Rowan Right games in general. I think I'm more a fan of multiplayer solitaire, um, and that one has, has a little more interaction because you are... Um, 
drafting dice from one pool. And then there is that ability to stack your dice on someone else to take yeah. the same action. There's a variant where in the back of the book where they're just like, you just block people or something like that. Um, and then you have to kind of account for the threat there. So I think Furnace, Dinosaur Island, and then, gosh, a third one. I feel like a lot of things start to be similar to me at that level. But I would say to give a like a shout out to one of them. I think Juicy Fruits. I'm oh, okay. just interested to run that slide puzzle a little more, try some of the other modes. I did the easy um, solo player. And I think because it is like slide puzzle, there's enough there that it's interesting at one player as you're just trying to figure out, like it, it kind of feels like a game where there is a right answer. Yeah. So it kind of feels like you could keep playing that puzzle to get closer to the right um the right answer yeah seems fun all right so yeah we did it we did it if you'd like any one of these games featured on a future episode you should let us know yeah i think it's i think it's very likely that because this was pretty good to get through 18 games it's been about 40 some minutes so far. i was looking at that timer you know yeah that wasn't what did it though if anything we could have done this faster if you weren't looking at the timer and distracting me all right um and then we are going to play... Maracaibo has kind of a campaign to it. Yeah. Which is yeah. not... We uh, just bought it. We didn't it know it was a nice. campaign until we got it home. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll probably be talking about that soon as well. Yeah, we'll catch you then. Oh, okay. I didn't know we... I didn't know it was uh, already done. Oh. Why, well, you can cut that off? No. I'll probably... Probably leave it. They Like, probably right now, the music's coming and our like our voices are trailing off. Like we're getting quieter right now. I can't decide if I should continue talking. Yeah, that might get that might get. Wait, turn down the music. We forgot two games. Shall we re-enter with a flourish? I see what you did there, and I'll accept it. One of those games was Flourish, which we demoed at Gen Con, and then I played solo. The other game was Kabuto Sumo, which we also, I demoed at I, Gen Con. I demoed at Gen Con, I think, at Did a separate you? time. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and bought. Now, um, in Flourish, you are, it kind of has Seven Wonders vibes in that you can play with up to seven people. You are drafting cards, playing them in your own tableau, and then passing cards to other people. But unlike Seven Wonders, it's not um, by ages, not like three phases, really. Um, you don't change the direction that you pass cards. You give, you have a hand of six cards. You play a card. You give one card to each of um, your opponents, like on your right and left. And then everyone else is doing the same thing. So after you've played your card and flipped it over, you pick up the two cards from your neighbors and then you draw one card from the deck. Once again, you have six cards in your hand and you do that, what, three, six, nine, 12 times. Yeah. And you make three rows of cards over four kind of rounds, I suppose. You score um, symbols on cards. So it's all very uh, nature-themed. You're like making a garden. Yeah, so you have like mushrooms and roses and things like that. And the cards will have um, different scoring criteria for different symbols. There's also kind of like these stonework symbols on the bottom. Yeah. And that'll be uh, in-game scoring for the items on the bottom. 
I think I'll like it a lot when I play it again. In the demo, we were rushed, and I was not able to investigate synergy very well. No, and in that kind of drafting way, you only have so much control, so you do kind of have to just go for what seems right in the moment and uh, move on. The score can get really high. So they give you these dials, which have like a hundreds, tens, and ones place. And so the score can be in like 300, 400, I think. So pretty... Uh, pretty unique in that way there's not a lot of games especially little card games like that that score so high it's overproduced it's really just a deck of cards and yet it does come with cardboard trees it has well they're not trees they're like little um trellis kind of walls garden walls and then they have follies it came with the friends and friends and follies expansion the follies are kind of like little statues a folly is like a an architectural something that doesn't really have an actual purpose. It's just meant to be like aesthetic. A lot of times it looks like fake ruins or something like that. I think maybe actual ruins could be called follies. I'm not sure. But like they're about as usable as like the extras for Cult Express. They do have a function in the game in the follies expansion. Um, But I will, the garden walls, they're really just keeping you from not getting everything confused. Um, But yeah, it's a bit overproduced. It's, what a game that's really like a big deck of cards is in a full size board game box and it's just filled with bits of cardboard. So I don't know that I like that. Um, it kind of feels like they took something small and tried to just keep expanding I will, it. I will say, though, I criticize being rushed at the demo. The, the, the gentleman leading the demo was, I think, one of the best demoers at Gen Con. Yes. And they, he very much did a like, a kind of scripted game so to speak where he was telling us about the full game but we were definitely not playing the full game but we did play enough of it to get a sense of how it yeah. felt yeah he, he did so actually. yeah it was a it was a nice balance struck there so yeah i played that by myself it the the solo's fine you're kind of playing against a a dummy player who then i think you subtract their score from yours and they score a little different um so it was easy to do solo i like games that don't have like a cumbersome ai to them um but yeah, it'll be interesting to play it with more people, and I, I don't know. We'll see if it kind of sticks around long term. Yeah, and see, you know, it could get pushed out by the next one. You know what? You're doing really good on transitions. Coming to this with new energy as we capture these last couple games. So Kabuto Sumo, um, it has art by I think his name is Quan Chai Mora. I don't. I I yeah, I might be getting that pretty wrong. It's I, close I to that. Even, like I don't have a memory of having read the name. He does Seven Summits, um, oh. Under Falling Skies. Oh, I, like keep, stuff. I keep unintentionally buying his games, and I think I'm just gravitating towards his art and being like, oh, this looks great, but really I just like his artwork. Um, in this game, you have a uh, cardboard tree stump. Yeah, and a nice, a, a girthy stump. Ah, girthy, okay. And then a little um, like side uh, piece that... Um, you can put wherever you want around this stump. Yeah, it's like a little stump set, a stump table setter, if you will. Yeah, like a, like a, where a limb broke off. Yeah, is kind of the a feel. And on top of the stump, it's maybe five inches or so big. Good enough for me. Yeah, you don't know. Um, there's wooden pieces that kind of start in a set pattern, mm-hmm. and then you have like your beetle, maybe I think it's a beetle. Yeah, sure. Of your color, and you use the little. Um, Additional circle pieces, I think they're meant to represent like stones and stuff or whatever in the forest. And you use that little um, 
side branch piece to slide pieces on, kind of like those arcades where you put a coin in and then that arm comes and pushes the coin and you're trying to push things off the ledge. That's what you're trying to do in this game. So as you push your piece on, you're trying to push other pieces off. You win if you can push your opponents off. But in the meantime, you'll push other pieces off that'll come into your collection to use on your future turns. The um, You have asymmetrical player powers. So you have like a little special piece or a special power that only you can use. And it has like a different shape to it. Or maybe, you know, when certain things touch it, you get to take a different kind of action. I thought it demoed really well. Like we both played it and we're like, oh, this looks really fun. And then we played it together. And it it took didn't go well. Forever. Yeah, it didn't go well. And it turns out those little beetles are hard to knock off. And I don't know if it was a there. I don't. I think the two player just wasn't as good as the four player because we demoed it at four right. players. And you know, it's fine. I think it would be nice in two player if you had like a piece that you couldn't push off. So in the same way that a lot of two player games, even the ones we talked about, have kind of a a ghost player, a dummy player, a third person that provides this sort of balance. Um, I think this could be a game that benefited from that. I didn't like playing it with you at yeah, all, I mean, to be so honest. There's two win conditions. You can knock off your opponent's beetle, or you can play in a way to... Well, if, your opponent, all if your opponent runs out of pieces to play on their turn, they lose. So what I did was strategically play the pieces okay. so that Kelly would have no pieces. And then she did not care for that. I'd strategically make it a kind of horrible experience. It's, it's, it's not... Um, fun and it's it slowed it down quite a bit and then when it comes to your turn and there you don't feel that there's really anything it's one thing when it's all crowded and you can push something off and that like that's exciting but when it comes to your turn it's real sparse you have a tiny little piece and you can't really assert any kind of influence on the board it sucks also i think that a better version of the game like the rules are you know push it with your finger and then stop as soon as your piece is fully on the board but yeah. there's no real governance no. over over like there's no mechanism to help you Which stop on time i think makes it fun and full of whimsy and we know those are not your strong suits so i think the game group and the number of players go really far in this one and i see a lot of people being excited for it and i'm you know, then I'm sitting there thinking, oh, those, well, I have those to play poor with fools. Him. Well, just that, like, I I think that it looks a certain way, and then the practicality once you actually get into playing it, I I don't know how many times it's fun. But we did, we even got an expansion for it. Yeah, with more um, different we'll try beetles, it with different player counts, different player counts. They Maybe have different all ages. different powers. It might be really fun to play with young people. I think it could be a lot more fun to play with kids than a group of overthinking adults as long as you don't make it unfun for the kids by hoarding the pieces yeah all right those were the two games we missed all right wanted to throw them in here at the end before we they got bonus minutes because we didn't put a timer i they did get bonus minutes we definitely talked about them longer um we haven't played anything since we recorded so it's not even like there's any extra love to give another game here at the end we're gonna go play uh maracaibo Oh, we are going to try to do that. It's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. Is the music back on now? Um, it. I think when you said Maracaibo, it should probably be kind of tuning us out. So it's kind of... so much for listening to this episode of board games with variant hex you can find us on instagram twitter 
kind of on Twitch, except we haven't done anything there yet. You can find us on our website. You can find us at Gmail. You can find us at podcast at Variant Hex. If you want to send an email, all of those things are going to be at Variant Hex. As I said in the intro, if you have an idea for us that's board game related, we'll probably entertain it. Um, as far as what else we have coming up, I know we were discussing doing an episode on friendly local game stores with another member of Variant Hex who has yet to be on the podcast. Aaron and I are probably going to have a campaign legacy kind of weekend sometime soon where we play through either Sleeping Gods or Jaws of the Lion or Maracaibo. I think that's it. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. 